Luther and I and everyone in this arena tonight are unified by the same great American values. We're proud of our country. We respect our flag. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Vox Popcast. I am Christopher Maverick, and this week I am not here with Wayne Wise. If you heard last week's show, you'll know that Wayne was on vacation. He just got back and he's exhausted, so he's decided to sleep instead, which is actually okay because I have three guests on today's show, and I will get to them in a little bit. But before that, I want to start this show off a little differently than I normally do, and I wanted to do that by addressing some feedback that we got on Twitter this week from the show two weeks ago from the show that was on cosplay for people of color. And this is from a listener and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It's Dante Bussieri and his Twitter handle is Dante Informal. And Dante wrote us and said, curious to know why it infuriates you when people of color refuse to explain their culture to white folks. I can assure you that explaining every year that A, May 5th is not Mexican Independence Day and B, Puerto Ricans don't celebrate it anyway, gets quite infuriating. That sounds like an assumption that people of color should be doing the emotional labor and research labor for white folks, not to mention that in any particular situation, I'm put in the position of representing an entire race of people who aren't even my own. I can't. I can say that a lot of us put the research task on you to avoid tokenism. The last thing I want to be is some white person's one Puerto Rican friend and suddenly represent the entire island. Also, the information is out there if y'all care to look. I understand that it's infuriating to ask a question and straight and get a straight up refusal to answer. But believe me when I say it's 10 times more infuriating to constantly be asked to educate people and then not see any real change. And then he says, please don't misunderstand. He really likes the show, which I appreciate. And I actually did speak with him on Twitter you know, for about an hour the other night and sort of explained myself further. But I wanted to address it here on the show because I think he makes some really good points. I sort of agree with him. And, what, and I wasn't trying to say on that particular episode that I think that it is the job of people of color like myself to educate white people. It's not. It's a little misleading. It sort of is my job because it's literally my job. But that's because I chose for that to be my job. But I'm a teacher, so it is theoretically my job to teach people. But it's not everybody's job. However, my issue with it, and this is what I explained to, explain to Dante, was that even though it's not necessarily our jobs to teach people, I feel like it is necessary that if we can, we do so anyway. And the best way I can think of that is there's a metaphor that I came up with when I was thinking about this earlier today is I live on a street in a pretty good neighborhood. I like most of my neighbors. 
there is one house that I don't like. We all have neighbors like that. And one of the reasons I don't like that particular house is they are very poor about taking care of their garbage. They often don't tie their garbage bags up. It gets knocked over. The wind blows it over. Animals come in and tear it out. And then garbage ends up all over our neighborhood. And it sits there because they don't care enough to clean it up after themselves. So that means that I or my wife or our other neighbors eventually get fed up and we come and we clean it up and we put it back in the garbage cans. And that's not our job to do. It isn't. And it sucks and it's gross and it's disgusting. And I have a weak stomach. So every time I have to pick through their filthy, disgusting trash, I feel like I'm going to throw up. But I do it anyway. And the reason I do it anyway is because I live on the street and I don't want fucking garbage all over my neighborhood. (laughs) And I think certain people, one of whom might currently happen to be the president of the United States, are in the habit of intentionally spewing garbage into our society. And I have a choice. I can leave it there. Or I can pick it up. It's not my job to pick it up. It really, really isn't. And it sucks because it's gross and disgusting. And I have a weak stomach and it makes me want to throw up. However, my feeling is since he's not going to do it, if I leave it there, then there's just garbage all over my neighborhood. And what's worse is even though I know he's doing it intentionally, I know a lot of people aren't doing it intentionally. They just see garbage on the on the street and they say, oh, well, I guess that's where we put garbage. And they do the same thing. And I think that racism, casual racism often happens like that. We have a world where there are certain things that certain people often white people of privilege, but not necessarily just white, sometimes black, sometimes Mexican, Puerto Rican. There are certain issues that not everybody understands. And I feel as though if you do understand it, you've got a choice. You can tell people, go away, go educate yourselves. And they either will or they won't. Some people will. And that's great. Other people won't. Other people will just get pissed at you and they will ignore you. And the world doesn't get better. And sure, that's not your job to make it better. But there are certain people many of whom work for Fox News, one of whom is the president of the United States, who will see those people who are doing something ignorant because they don't know what they're doing. And they will say, hey, come to me. And they will give them misinformation and they will make the problem worse. And that's why I do this show. That's why I decided I wanted to be a teacher. Should I be the person who's personally in charge of like cleaning the world up for racism? Absolutely not. And in fact, there's probably people far better suited to it than I am. But I care and I care because I have to live here and I don't want the police to shoot me one day, like I said on that episode. So (laughs) so I try and it is tiring. Um, Dante was right. It is very, very exhausting to constantly have to correct certain people, some of whom we're going to talk about on this particular episode. But I feel if I don't, the world just gets worse. Honestly, 99% of them I may never reach. But for the 1% that I do reach, that can be the difference in a presidential election. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not perfect. I always say I'm not a wizard. I can't magically make the world a better place, but I can try my damnedest. And if this show can give other people the tools to also do that, then I feel as though I have at least done the best that I can do. So that's what this show is about. And why I talked about that will make sense in a moment. But first, I'd like to introduce my guest hosts, plural, (laughs) because again, Wayne's not here. So we've got three people, two of whom 
you know if you've listened to every episode of the show and one's a new person. So first, Hannah Rogers is back. Hannah was last on the show on episode 18, the She-Ra and the Mel Gaze episode. Hey, Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me again. Hannah, why do you want to come back today? Well, uh, the topic is a really important one. I'm very irritated <laughs> with idiots on Facebook. Should I, should I say that? Uh, I guess I'll, you can say the topic. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stick to it. Um, <laughs> and I have, you know, felt strongly about the overlap between sports and social justice since college. So I get to dip back into my journalism background a little bit, I hope. Well, thank you for coming back. Host number two. Or I guess I'm host number one. So Hannah's host number two. So host number three (laughs) is Danny Anderson. Danny was last on the show way back on episode four, which was losing my religiosity. Danny, I know from uh, you are a professor at Mount Aloysius College and the host of the Sectarian Review, a wonderful podcast that I've been on several times. Hey, Danny. How you doing, uh, Chris? Thanks for having me. And Danny, you also have an interest in this topic. Yeah. Um, well, so sports has always been kind of a, um, uh, an interest of mine. I was really into sports when I was a kid and, and even as a young adult. And now I sort of resent that part of myself. I feel like I invested way too much back uh, of my own passion into that back in those days. And so I kind of see sports as playing an outsized role in our culture. And when it actually is doing something important in the, in the way that this uh, kneeling tradition um, is actually trying to do something important, actually using the form of sports for a positive end, to see people backlash against it has been really irritating to me as well. And so um, I have a lot of kind of uh, cultural interests in this, and I think it intersects with my interest in religion, politics, and uh, and pop culture here. So um, I think it's a, a really interesting topic. I'm really grateful that you called me up to talk about it. Well, thank you. And our fourth host is... A friend of mine from back when he'll be the second pro wrestler to appear on this show from when DJ Z Shima Zion was on. And as I said, when I did that show, he was my former tag team partner. Well, this is another of my former tag team partners. This is, do you want to use your real name or do you want to use your, your gimmick name? Uh, real name, both names, whatever. <laughs> Well, this is third. completely retired now too, like me, right? Uh, for the most part, I'm doing one or two more matches because I had a friend pass away and they're doing a memorial show for him. Digging out the boots for that. Oh, okay. Well, Dante Dunnigan is, he wrestled under the name Dangerous Damien Cass and was one of my tag team partners back when I used to do stupid things like that. <laughs> I, I also have one more match coming up. And, and Dante, Dante is on the show basically because the person who was originally supposed to be the fourth show had technical difficulties that the same ones we were trying to resolve a couple weeks ago, he, we happened again. So basically Dante's on because two hours ago, I begged him to come on the show. <laughs> It's like, please. <laughs> so I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the last person you asked. Yeah, you asked well, me this morning. I'm anyway, so. the, the absolute last person he could go to. No, no, you, no, he wasn't the last person because he said maybe. So then I had to ask three more people, all of whom said no. <laughs> um, or they were all busy. It, it was, it, um, well, Danny, I asked this morning when I found out Wayne couldn't do it. Uh, Hannah was Hannah was already going to be on the show. Danny, when I found out Wayne wasn't going to be able to be able to do the show, I asked him. And then uh, my friend Shane, who is meaningless because he's not been on the show. But when we found out it wasn't going to work two hours ago or three hours ago, I started scrambling. It's like, okay, I need somebody for a show in 
a little bit. <laughs> so, so Dante was nice enough to come on and, and completely unprepared other than the fact that I know what his opinion is on this issue already. And I have him have these arguments, um, with picking up the garbage to use my extended me- metaphor from earlier. That is how, how prepared Dante is. So I was listening to, uh, Hannah and, uh, Danny's intro. I'm like, I got, I got nothing. Like, you guys are like super interesting and they got all this stuff going and what happened. I'm like, and Dante. That's not true. Cause, cause again, I used to throw myself at the floor. So there's that. <laughs> well, no, again, what, what makes Dante interesting is because this show was always from the very beginning, supposed to be a mix of academic scholars and people with just a general interest in the topic. And because a lot of what I do is me or Wayne booking people at the last minute based on our friends. And since I'm in academia, a lot of the people I know who I can just kind of grab and on, on a day or two's notice are academics. There's been a little more heavy on one side than the other. So I always want to get people who are not in the academia world because it should be the entire concept of being Vox Popularum to be popular voices was to have different ideas. That's why the other Dante, the one who wrote the email to us, as opposed to Dante, who's on the show. One of the reasons I wanted to engage him so much and speak with him was because the show shouldn't be Mav's opinion or Wayne's opinion or Katia's opinion for the people who are on most often. The show should be the voice of the peoples. Populorum means peoples, plural, as opposed to Vox Populi, because the idea was there's lots of different opinions out there. And when I came up with this idea for today's show and, you know, oh, I never said it. We're going to talk about the protests about kneeling for the national anthem, particularly with the NFL, but with all sports because football season's coming up. When I said this was going to be the show, my my wife actually asked me, hey, are you going to get somebody to represent the other side? Because, you know, we know some people, we know quite a few people who are very adamantly against protesting by kneeling. And my answer was, hell no, I'm not getting it. <laughs> I don't want to give those people, those people can get their own show. This is mine. <laughs> and, and what I really, the reason I really feel that way is because the argument we're going to try to make today between the four of us is I talked about people who intentionally spew garbage into the street and people who just don't know any better. I think most of the people on what I'm going to call the wrong side of this argument just don't know any better. I, I honestly believe that. I don't think on Danny's show, um, the sectarian review. Again, oh, by the way, for all my listeners, if you don't listen to Danny's show, we'll plug it again at the end of the show. But sectarian review is a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. I've been on it two times, twice, three times, something like that. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like this show, but with way less swearing. <laughs> it, is, it is, um, sorry about that. No, 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 which actually makes it really interesting. He's part of the Christian humanist network and Vox Populorum is we're heathens. <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's, it's very similar in, in concept, but Danny did a show recently where he actually has done several shows recently, um, where he's been talking about the idea of, what did you call the the keywords show or something like that? Oh uh, yeah, keywords. Yeah, the second one comes out tomorrow. Actually, as oh, we record. Okay. Yeah. Well, the and the idea of these of that show was there are a lot of things that even we as liberals say that aren't necessarily right, 
<laughs> you know, we use terms wrong and, and it's all about educating people and it's all about, you know, trying to make the world a better place. And that's kind of what we're going to try to do today. So I don't necessarily want somebody to just come on here and argue just to represent the other side if their point isn't logical. You know, oh, we should, you shouldn't, you know, because people died for that flag. And, and first <laughs> off, you're not, it's not a flag, it's an anthem. No one died for it. They died for a concept. My uncle, who, by the way, is uh, is a Vietnam vet. My grandfather was a World War II vet, and they both were adamantly against the national anthem long before, <laughs> long, long, long before this became an issue. My grandfather's been dead for a decade, <laughs> and so he so he is not aware of Colin Kaepernick, and eh, but he did not like the idea of forced patriotism, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. So it's not so much about just giving all sides a say because that's not this show. This show <laughs> is sort of about let's try to figure out logic behind the issue. And I, I guess I should get into why I picked it for this week. Aside from the fact that football season's starting and I'm a huge football fan, I was actually kind of hoping Wayne would be on the show today because Wayne knows nothing about sports. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all three of you are are going to be better about that. And by the way, since he's not here, we're just going to make fun of him. And that's, <laughs> that's how that's going to work. But one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because football season was coming up. And another reason was because recently I ended up in a Facebook argument because, as I said, I take it upon myself to settle all of these. And it's a meme. It's a conservative Facebook group that I was made aware of that had this post in it. And I have no interest in promoting them. So I'm not going to share their name. I merely sit there to sort of lurk and try and learn stuff. I do that all in other groups. And the meme says that they posted and says, just curious, but has anyone seen any of the NFL kneelers protesting anywhere since the season ended on their own time? I mean, since they care so much about their message, I'm just wondering why once they are off the clock, so to speak, they haven't been out there advocating for their message, you know, exercising that. And then this is in scare quotes, First Amendment, you know, which they have perfectly free. I think she's missing the word Ben, been perfectly free to embrace for the past six months. Mic drop. So my response to them was, yeah, I've seen them protesting in the last six months. I've seen Kaepernick protesting in the last two years that he's been unemployed. It's pretty much all he's done. <laughs> like his entire job right now is just wandering around the around the world speaking on this issue. <laughs> That's all he does. <laughs> and and, you know, he he was just made man of the year for raising like well over a million dollars to this issue. He speaks on it like every weekend he's somewhere. And my, my response to them was literally, if you Google Colin Kaepernick right now, like whenever you read this right now, chances are he's done some social activism in the last 24 hours. It's all he does now because he's an unemployed man who's a social activist for a living since he can't play football. So, yes, I've seen them. And then I went and I just gave them a list of other players. I use Kaepernick. I use Brandon Marshall, who donates $300 to awareness charities every time he makes a tackle. <laughs> so the better he plays, the more money he donates. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, who, by the way, Marshawn Lynch, I think, is an interesting player because he doesn't kneel for the national anthem. And the reason he refused to kneel is because kneeling is too respectful 
we can talk about that. But Colin Kaepernick and Nate Boyer chose the act of kneeling because it shows respect to the flag. And Marshawn Lynch doesn't want to do that. So he just sits down. <laughs> and and by the way, he's been sitting down longer than Kaepernick. No one noticed for years and years and years. But Marshawn Lynch has never in his entire football career has never stood for the national anthem and does not <laughs> intend to. When he plays in another country and they like if they have a exhibition game in the UK or in Mexico, he stands up for their anthems. He refuses Mm. to stand for ours and he's done it his entire career. Marshawn Lynch also runs the Fam First Family Foundation, which donates money to impoverished children, you know, pays for education, does a lot of community activism. And then I, I talked about the Denver Broncos who over last season, 32 of their 53 players kneeled during the national anthem. They were the biggest team that did so. And if you just go to denverbroncos.com slash the community, you will see the many, 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 many social activism things that they've been doing all off season. They have a whole web page on their site devoted to just kind of doing this. So they're constantly doing some sort of social justice kind of work. And my argument was, if you haven't seen this, then maybe it's because you don't really care about the work that black people are doing for social justice so much as you just care about complaining about them. And you're only watching them when they're about to bash their heads against each other for your amusement. So really, that's the only time they can protest to get your attention. And that's why the kneeling protest was important. Opinions. Well, I agree with that. And I also I would say that that mean one of the problems with it is that it it's just a lack of generosity towards the people you disagree with. You're sort of picking and choosing a very selected view of whoever you disagree with. And it's not really true to the whole person. Right. And I think that's pretty typical of a lot of our political discourse right now, but yeah, there's uh, you've, you've, already defined them as a certain thing and you're only willing to see them as that thing that you've defined them as. And so when they're out of your sight, as you say, then you don't have to notice that they actually challenge a lot of your pre-consumptions about or pre-assumptions about them. Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, I think a lot of the problem is that people, like you said, just basically choose not to see it because, I mean, I had a friend of mine who I've been friends with for years and late one night I was scrolling through Facebook. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think I was going to go to bed or something. I just seen him scroll through it and he posted, uh, the picture of Colin having a kneeling, but it was above uh, some soldiers dying or something like a, like like in a like a mural of of like World War Two or whatever uh, era it was. Yes, and say that you know it's a good thing now these people died for him to be able to do this. You know, just and it just. This is really kind of blows my mind that the people can just pick and choose where what they want to believe on what's going on with things if they don't agree with it. And it just it's it's it, it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. I agree because this guy like I've always like thought he was very well uh, articulated. His world had a good mind on on his, on his head, and it was just that seeing this and me like you know all the things that's wrong with this picture and his opinion that he he still picking chose what was real and what wasn't regardless of what it actually was and it's just it, it's it's a it's an ongoing threat for the for anything i mean at this point now so i it's just uh 
You know, <laughs> it's just kind of frustrating just thinking about it because I don't want to be associated with a lot of people who have that mindset with just, <laughs> not just this, but just in general, because it's very closed-minded and ignorant. And I don't want to be ignorant and I don't want to be associated with ignorance. I agree. Hannah, do you have thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, Christmas is always fun when I go home. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up in Mississippi. I visit family or uh, friends of family throughout the South. Um, Facebook is a wonderful tool that makes Christmas go year long, uh, really. <laughs> and I just, the thing that blows my mind the most, and um, I, you know, I've talked a little about this, is that. It seems that there is a huge group of people from where I'm from who seem to think that like racism is simply if you're basically like a member of the KKK, but otherwise like it's fine. Whatever else you do, it's, it's not it's not real racism, you know, um, and they also like just seem to not understand or they are i think they just are willfully ignorant about what's going on they want to remain willfully ignorant but they think that because they can celebrate the you know history of the civil rights movement you know martin luther king jackie robinson to go back to sports uh you know mississippi state which is the university i attended for undergrad celebrated in my senior year the 50th anniversary of the game of change which was when the all-white mississippi state basketball team snuck out of Mississippi, like literally they snuck out of the state to play against Loyola um, in the NCAA tournament. So like every, everyone was like really pleased that that was a big part of Mississippi state's history. They were so excited. They were like, Oh yes, civil rights. We're just keeping moving forward. And those same people are the exact same people who hate the NFL protests because they don't want to talk about what our current situation is. And I've seen people get into arguments over venue. Uh, they want, they, they say time and place. And then people point out to them, Oh, but like, what about the civil rights movement when people disrupted daily traffic in a restaurant like that or a bus that, that caused change. And they're like, Oh yeah, well that was then this is now. And I feel like you, you just, there, there, there are times when people just don't know. And then there are times when it seems that they are willfully misunderstanding and choosing to be ignorant or mm-hmm. just not care because there's something deeper going on. And sometimes that's tied to other things because I see the exact same people posting the uh, NFL memes that you have mentioned post other memes like whenever there are protests, like after Trump was elected, there are protests in D.C. I saw someone posting racist memes about race riots. Mm-hmm. So like, like it's, it's linked to just racism that they don't want to admit that they have as well. So one of the things that I think I, I want to sort of build on one of the things Hannah said, again, this is why I asked Dante specifically, because I know he and I ended up in a specific conversation. Hannah said that one thing about, about Facebook is that it makes it Christmas all year round. <laughs> Christmas being the time where you have to deal with your racist relatives. And you talked about people who are, again, it's an ignorance of racism. These aren't people who are wandering around in clan hoods. I believe Dante is thinking of the same person that I'm thinking of. If not, it doesn't really matter because we both know we both know several people who have this sort of issue. But in particular, one person for several months made it his mission to try and get 
me to admit that Kaepernick was wrong (laughs) because he very much believes that, and this is his exact words, Martin Luther King would be offended at how horrible a person Colin Kaepernick is for not standing up for the United States of America. What? Are we talking about the same person, Dante? No, but I think I do recall that. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) yeah. And I got into a big argument with this person. This is a white guy who said, well, Martin Luther King stood for America. And I says, what are you talking about? And he said, Martin Luther King was a patriot. He believes this and this and this, and he'd be ashamed of Kaepernick and he'd be ashamed of you, you being me. And I told him Martin Luther King would be in favor of this protest. He's like, no, he wouldn't. He, he believed in obeying the law at all of his. And I was like, what do you, and, and I asked him, what do you know about Martin Luther King other than the fact that he was shot in the head? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, he gave the speech. It's like, you know, the, I have a dream speech. That's it. Martin Luther King is famous, and this is something that people need to understand, because we celebrate Martin Luther King today as a teddy bear character who was sort of invented by the media in the late 80s, early 90s. Martin Luther King, historically was the number one terrorist on the FBI's most wanted list. Mm -hmm. That's not me exaggerating. Martin Luther King historically was the number one terrorist on the FBI. Now, I happen to agree with everything he stood for, but he was not loved in his own time. Yes, he believed in what he called nonviolent protest. However, the protests that he was doing, which were nonviolent, were very much illegal. Right now, he's mostly famous for being shot in the head and for having streets named after him. But before he got shot in the head, he was most famous for being in jail and writing several letters called Letters from the Birmingham Jail, which are a manifesto, (laughs) I guess is the best way of saying it. And they're campaigning for civil rights at a time where it was illegal for him to do that. His opinions were illegal. He was, by virtue of everything that he did, breaking the law. If you've seen the movie Selma from a couple of years ago, that's about an illegal protest. That's what they were doing. And... No one liked them marching across that bridge back at that time because they were in the way, much like people who don't like Kaepernick. Now, the difference between the kneeling protest and Martin Luther King's protest, pretty much everything he did in his life up until he was killed, is that everything that the NFL players have done is 100 percent legal, specifically kneeling as a sign of protest and the two relevant things that you need to know if you want to you know use use this show as ammunition to you know sort of fight the garbage in your street the first case is west virginia board of education versus barnett 1943 this is when the supreme court affirmed that it is illegal for anyone the government or otherwise to force you to stand for a pledge of fealty to this country you do not have to stand for the national anthem You do not have to recite the Pledge of Allegiance to do so, to force you to do so is unconstitutional because forced patriotism is not patriotism at all. That was the entire point of the country. So when you are complaining that people are not standing for the national anthem, you are breaking the law more than they are. Second, uh, I want to call attention to 1989, which was when the Supreme Court, and this is, I said earlier that my grandfather was very much in favor of protest. That's when the Supreme Court affirmed that burning the flag, a specific sign of disrespect. Now, remember, Kaepernick and the other NFL players kneel because 
they determined that that was a respectful way of showing their displeasure. Sitting seemed too disrespectful. So with the exception of Marshawn Lynch, they all specifically kneel down to show deference. It's something that the Navy SEALs do. That's where that came from. However, the Supreme Court says you can burn a flag. And the reason you can burn a flag is because that is a specific disrespect to this nation that one might do in order to show displeasure with it. (laughs) That is completely legal. One thing that's illegal, or it's not illegal, but it's frowned upon, it's against the U.S. flag code, is making clothing out of out of flags. So anybody who's wandering around wearing the flag on their shirt on their shirt is being more disrespectful to the nation constitutionally than anyone who's kneeling for the national anthem. <laughs> Important things to note. And last, I want to call attention to U.S. Code Title 18, Section 227 which specifically says that it is specifically illegal, not just frowned upon, like with like wearing flag colors, but it is illegal for an elected official to call for the firing of any individual from a private institution. You know, like the president did (laughs) for all the players. That's literally illegal. The specific wording is he cannot call for the termination of an individual for from a private company for political or partisan reasons. And people are saying, well, he's not being partisan. Yes, he fucking is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not being Republican because a lot of Republicans don't really care either. He's literally just calling attention to his own BS cause. Uh, the thing with protests is Kaepernick got fired a couple of years ago. People stopped caring about him. The only reason anybody cares about the flag protest at all, I mean, it's called the flag protest. I don't even know why, because there's no flag. It's the anthem protest. And the only reason anybody cares at all is because Trump keeps bringing it back up. If he just let it go, it would go away. And that's sort of the beauty of the protest. It only works because it bothers the people that I don't like, (laughs) (laughs) which is awesome. My grandfather specifically said he hated that my uncles went to Vietnam and he was terrified that I was going to have to go to the Gulf War. And his reasoning was he went to World War Two as a black man in the 1940s where he had not even close to equal rights. You can argue about whether there's racism or not today. There is. But but there certainly was in 1942 when my when my grandfather went to war. (laughs) But he believed that in doing so, he was going so that his children and grandchildren would have a better life. And he would argue that because my uncles, his sons had to go to Vietnam, they did not. And he very much wanted me to have a better one. (laughs) And so that was his feeling. My grandfather didn't give a damn about a flag and he would say so. And furthermore, the reason I brought up the 1989 Supreme Court case on flag burning, I'll never forget this because I was a kid, I was in high school. When the flag burning case came up, I remember watching it on the news with my grandfather and they had someone come up and say, well, you don't understand. People died for that flag. And my grandfather got his attention. He looked at the TV and he goes, and, and my grandfather, did, you know, you, you'd think that my family swears a lot. They don't. It's just me. Um, my, grand, my, my grandfather said, and I quote, bullshit. I didn't I didn't fight for no flag and none of my friends died for it. Anybody who died for a flag is an idiot. <laughs> it's like we, we fought for freedom. Flags a piece of cloth. It means nothing. He was furious. So some people believe they are fighting for a flag. The flag's a symbol. And again, in the anthem protest, there's no flag. It's a song. 
about slaves. Yes, that's what the national anthem is actually about. Look mm-hmm. it up. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons to protest this. <laughs> I had a, a guy who, who claims he was a historian for some museum in West Virginia that he uh, that that line wasn't about slaves; it was about uh, people who had been, uh, I guess, Americans who were uh, fighting for the British side or something like. Very strange. It was like just going back and forth with this. He couldn't give me any details or anything about why my thoughts on that. Lines clearly saying the hireling and the slave were were going to get, get killed. Like, why it didn't mean that. It just, I was wrong. He was a historian. And that was that. So, again, I'm a literary guy. I'm not a historian. And, and I actually, even though I know a lot, specifically doing, doing anthem studies, isn't my area. I'm a pop culture guy. That said, that's not the understanding that I have of that song. And also it kind of doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the things that sort of people miss when you're, you're talking about racism and this is going to sound hypocritical. So I'm going to fix it. It doesn't matter so much what the purpose of something is. It doesn't matter what their intent is. It matters the message that is sent to the people that it offends. So let's just say that your friend is right and that song's not about slavery. And I think he's wrong. But it doesn't matter whether it is or it isn't. It matters that it hurts people are offended by it. People say all kinds of racist stuff all the time or or anti-gay stuff or sexist stuff. And it doesn't matter whether you intend to be racist or or homophobic or sexist. It matters that a person of color or a queer person or a woman is offended by it. That's the issue. Yeah, In the same way that it doesn't matter what the original Confederate flag may or may not have represented. Right. Now it it represents something very specific, right? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that the Dukes of Hazzard were trying to be racist. (laughs) Exactly. Frankly, and here's the, you know, here's the honest truth. I was born in the seventies. I love that show. (laughs) I love that show when I was a kid, but I do also understand that that flag means something different in 2018 than it meant in 1982. It just does. That said, I also understand that the hypocrisy there is, does it matter why Colin Kaepernick is kneeling if it offends people who are sort of offended by the fact that he's kneeling and therefore, you know, sure, he's not trying to disrespect the troops. And my feeling is, yeah, it actually kind of does matter that people are uncomfortable with NFL players not respecting the anthem. That said, it matters. So now I have to make a judgment call. What matters more, people being uncomfortable with kneeling while the national anthem's playing or people being shot <laughs> often by police? And I've decided for you, the listener at home, I've decided that that people being shot is more important. (laughs) I picked it. All of this really goes to show, I mean, history is important. Just like going back to your opening monologue about the the Twitter listener, people do have an obligation to educate themselves, right? And so history is important. And this, I think Hannah was talking about how Martin Luther King has been kind of whitewashed. And we have this, we only remember, I have a dream and don't remember the the radicalness of letter from Birmingham jail, as you said, Chris. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so I think, that, so if I could tell a quick story last year, I, I run this little gen ed program at the place I work and I was in charge of 
choosing the common read. And the book I chose was um, book three of March by um, Lewis and, uh, and uh, oh, I forget, Nate Powell, I think, did Nate some of the art for that. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I sort of chose it because it kind of went with our campus theme of, of authentic discourse and that and whatnot. But it just so happened to coincide as we started reading that book with the NFL protests. And I realized I kind of had a, a beehive on my hands uh, in rural Pennsylvania, right, where I'm teaching <laughs> these classes, right? And uh, and so I actually, I mean, I addressed it head on. And so we we read the, sec- the pertinent sections of March. We read Letter from Birmingham Jail. I had them write about the NFL protests and what Martin Luther King would think based on everything we've talked about in class. And some people, I mean, I think correctly interpreted it, uh, what he would say in that uh, to this situation, to this kneeling situation um, today in the NFL, um, because they related it exactly to what King wrote in Letter from Birmingham Jail. And yet there were other people who I think just loved football and their traditions more than they loved the, you know, an honest reckon, reckoning with the facts of the situation. And there were students who just would, and know, they would uh, actually read Letter from Birmingham Jail exactly right and then say, but I still think Martin Luther King would not like this. And so um, I think <laughs> that there was uh, there was a I mean there were many of those but I did I did encounter that and I think to me it's like again it's just sort of a lack of oh imagination and generosity of spirit I think so Hannah you're actually unlike Danny and I are both in Pennsylvania Dante is in Ohio you're actually in the actual South where I would expect sort of a different vibe it's relatively common for us to have people at least in our areas less so in Danny's area which is more rural it's relatively common for us to have people supporting the idea of kneeling for the anthem and Danny talked about teaching King's lectures and then people still not getting it What's your experience with the students at Duke or, you know, or Mississippi where you were? I guess the protests hadn't started back then. So the vibe in the South. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have to say I am the South is what I know. I've lived here my entire life. I grew up on the coast of Mississippi. I went to undergrad at Mississippi State in Starkville in a rural area. Now I'm here at Duke. I think Duke and Durham is a little different than a lot of the South because you have people coming from all over um, to go to Duke. Um, So there are certainly a lot of Southerners here. The students I've taught have been very curious and open and interested. But uh, if you know anything about Duke's campus, there are a lot of like controversies that have happened over the past few years while I've been here. There was a noose found on campus. A VP um, complained about a Young Dolph song uh, this summer being played at uh, the uh, coffee shop and it made national news. Yeah, we did a whole show yeah, about that. Because the workers got fired, for those of you who don't know. Just yesterday, actually, on UNC's campus down the road, uh, Silent Sam, a Confederate statue, was pulled down. I think you hear these same conversations here that you hear nationally. It's just maybe a little more focused and a little more present in some ways because, you know, it, it seems to be happening a lot. Like, not that things don't happen elsewhere. I actually drove through Ohio on the way to Michigan a couple of years ago, and I was shocked at how many Confederate flags I saw hanging outside Bill's houses. But I, I think that, you know, there there is a sort of, you know, need for some people to really hold on to tradition in the South. And they simply do not understand why their quote unquote heritage is horrible for everyone else. <laughs> and that makes it a little more personal. I think that's definitely a good way of putting it. And the one thing that people 
who are against the protest need to understand. And I think this is one thing that is sort of important. I'm not convinced it's all that important for people to stand for the national anthem. Another another thing that I think is sort of a little fact you can drop on people when people say, well, we've always stood for the national anthem. No, we didn't. Do you know when players started standing for the national anthem? 2009. Before 2009, players didn't even come out until after the anthem was played. The U.S. military started paying the NFL to have players stand out there nine years ago. So when you're talking about tradition, you are really you're being nostalgic for something that started happening a little while ago. (laughs) You know, there are players in the league still who weren't standing for the national anthem when they started playing and they just started in 2009. So it's a little while ago. So, and and it's interesting, the, the guy I was talking about before when I was talking with Dante about one of the people I was arguing with, he, when I pointed that fact out, and this is something the NFL and the U.S. military both both acknowledge. He said, well, you're wrong because here's them standing for the national anthem on September 11th, 2001. And I was like, no, there was no football on September 11th, 2001. The country was busy. Everything was canceled. Everything was canceled the next weekend. What he was really showing was he was showing footage of the 10 year anniversary of 9-11, which was in 2011, <laughs> which is after 2009. So no, they did not stand for the national anthem back then. So if you really want someone to stand for the national anthem, it would be very easy. If you wanted Kaepernick to stand, if that's really so important to you, I assure you he would happily do it. If you say passed a law that called for stricter penalties for shooting of unarmed black men by police, because that was his original issue. If you just got behind that law, then suddenly he'd be like, yeah, okay, the NFL's on my side and he would stand up as would all the other players. So it's not so much that you really want them to stand. It's that you want them to stand, but you don't want to add penalties for the things that he stands for. So you don't want to hear his message. And that's what you're saying when you're saying no protest on your own time. One of the other things that I want to point out before we run out of time on today's show was one of the lies that I hear the president say, or you know, mistruths. I believe the term that some people might use would be fake news. I wouldn't use that term, but some people, some people might use that term. And this comes up a lot is, uh, is the idea that, that the National Football League, the ratings are way, way down. Trump likes to say that they're down 20% since this protest started. That's not true. Twenty <laughs> percent is a number that he basically pulled out of his ass. <laughs> NFL ratings are down nine percent in 2017. They're down nine percent over what they were in 2016. In 2016, they were down eight percent over what they were in 2015. We don't know what they're going to be for 2018 yet. And so he is correct to say the NFL is losing numbers. However, where he is incorrect is that broadcast television ratings are down 16% for 2017. Cable television ratings are down 11%. So TV ratings overall are down about 14.5%, close to 15. Sunday Night Football is the highest rated show on broadcast television. By a lot. Second is if you want to do broadcast television only, it's Big Bang Theory. If you want to include cable television, then depending on when we're talking about it's walking dead or game of thrones but um but even they 
are way, way, way behind Sunday night football of all regular programming. Obviously, things like, you know, the Super Bowl, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, the, those actually do pretty good numbers. But of regular shows that come on from week to week, Sunday night football is the highest rated by like double Big Bang Theory, which is the highest rated broadcast television show that is scripted. So they're doing better and they've only been doing that for seven years. That was the seventh year in a row. If you go back 10 years, Sunday night football wasn't even in the top 10 shows for the year. So the NFL is actually doing great. It's just that the television landscape as a whole is down, but the NFL's actual rating share, which is what advertisers actually care about, has gone up. So in billable numbers, they're actually doing better than the rest of television. Important detail. I remember just looking at the Super Bowl, even the Super Bowl ratings are like from year from last year to from two years ago to this year or the previous season. Like it wasn't even down that much. I remember looking at that, like thinking that, like, I wonder how much of a change it comes like laughing, like how uh, they had these big parades in Philadelphia. I was like, I thought happy people <laughs> stop watching football. It's weird. No, yeah, they lied. <laughs> <laughs> they lost like two million people or something. The ratings are down like a little yeah, bit. I was like, it's, it's like you can't even, it's not even that big of a difference to matter. And who's to say like why people even stopped watching? Because I know that there are the anti-protest people who are like, I'm going to turn off my TV. But there are also people who have stopped watching because they feel that the NFL is a terrible organization, particularly because of how they've treated Kaepernick. And so they've stopped watching. And then there are people who have stopped watching for other reasons. And that mm-hmm. is something we don't track or in any right. way. Yeah. Around the same time the Kaepernick protest started, people started actively protesting the NFL because of their feelings on, on CTE. And there are lots of issues that we don't know. There's there's issues about several of the players having charges about violence against women that in the wake of the Me Too movement is maybe not the healthiest thing for the ratings. And we don't know why anybody stops watching. And apparently, no matter what your issue is, it's not that many people that stopped watching him. I mean, it, it really isn't enough. They're doing kind of great. Hannah, you had another issue. Oh, yes. ESPN announced that they will no longer be playing the national anthem, except on a case-by-case basis, perhaps, maybe. The president of the network um, is fairly new, and he is trying to be basically like anti-political. He is mostly interested in keeping the NFL happy. He's like privileging Mm -hmm. entertainment over news content. So if you've seen how ESPN has handled things like Jamel Hill and how she called out the president earlier um, and she basically called him, I want to get this right, a white supremacist in 2017. And I mean, like, she's right. Like, watch Trump's first speech. Like, sorry, but come on. Like, it's, it's really not that hard, guys. And so then ESPN issued a statement and they're like, she does not represent the position of ESPN. And then they kind of mm-hmm. knocked her down. And so that, I mean, like this is, this is like ESPN's kind of thing. They're trying to go a middle route. They're trying to stop the protest before they even start because they think that will make people happy. But <laughs> that, that is one, not going to do anything because people are going to be angry no matter what you do like the, on the pro protest side, people are going to see this as ESPN refusing to engage and they, they're cutting off like the way that a lot of people will see the protest. And then, you know, the people who love the anthem so much are going to be mad that the anthem's gone. And actually 
protest aside, there is a group of people who watch football games just to watch the anthem and the halftime show. So there's that um, on the and you know, like you, you, you can't not take a side when it comes to sports. People like to pretend that's further separate from quote unquote real life. I mean, like this is partially at the heart of the issue here, but obviously it's not. We can talk about sports history and see all the changes that have come from sports and like, you know, integrating teams. Or we can see that like sports is just a dirty business and we Mm -hmm. talked a bit about the NFL being gross um, when it comes to how they've handled domestic violence and concussions. You know, like, I I don't think we go by a year without some college football team getting into trouble for some sort of ethical violation. So like we can, we can pretend that it's separate, but it's not. So the ESPN is, you know, in my opinion, just they're doing more harm than good here, not only to their viewers, but also to themselves, because it's not going to work. No, it's not going to work. And again, as I pointed out, this will be their ninth year. They they only started showing it a little while ago, even before two years ago, while the players were coming out, the anthem wasn't always aired on every channel. It was a case by case basis. You saw the anthem at the Super Bowl, but to air the national anthem for the home audience was never a big thing. They're doing it for the protest. One of my final points, and then I want to get to Danny's final point. He brought up one of the complaints that people will make is, well, I don't watch sports for politics. I want to just be entertained. Sports shouldn't be political. Well, here's what you tell people who say that. Sports were always political. The Olympics were invented for politics both times, the modern Olympics and the actual ancient Greek Olympics. That's what sports are. Sports have always been political. Muhammad Ali is probably the most prominent protester of the Vietnam War. Uh, Jackie Robinson integrated into the Dodgers in 1947. That was a political move. It was the only reason the MLB did it. It was the only reason he agreed and it was hugely controversial at the time. My favorite, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, 1968 Olympics. You probably have no idea who they are but if you have seen the picture you would recognize them. They are two black athletes who raised their fists to the national anthem and the black power fist salute and one thing that people don't notice in that picture is that one of them has their right fist up and one has the left fist and the reason they use opposite fist is because neither of them had gloves the gloves they're wearing belong to the white guy in the photo who Hmm. gave them his gloves so that they could raise their fist it was his idea and then he kept his fist down because he wanted it to be their moment so political move sports have always been political that's what they're for hell and I, i don't like the team I live in Pittsburgh, so I hate the team, but the biggest team in professional sports calls themselves the Patriots. Yes. <laughs> it's a political move, and there's no other way to view it. As I said before, the reason the anthem is played is because the U.S. military wants to advertise. So they thought, hey, here's a good way to do that. And they pay the NFL to play the anthem and have the players stand there. It's a commercial. You are chanting about a commercial for the army. So when you're trying to force people to stand, you are making a political statement so you do want politics in your sports you just want them to be your politics and that's not how politics works yeah and in addition to that i mean the reason these leagues can are making you know bags and bags of cash is because they siphon public money for stadium construction and maintenance uh and that is a political act in and of itself and so it's it's built into the very architecture of those stadiums Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I'm not even against that per se, you know, like I, oh, I I'm against it. I'm against that big time. But see, that's where you have a political argument. There are good reasons for the public to pay for a stadium. And there are reasons why it should be private because probably it does help the economy. It also doesn't help the economy nearly as much as it helps the owner of the team. So, you know, statistics show I, someone was talking about this in terms of the Olympics. I heard an economist say that it would actually be a better use of money to just drop the cash from an airplane onto the city. Uh, yeah. And so, and I think the NFL is not much different actually. So. Yeah. So the Olympics is a horrible investment. Every country wants it. It's a horrible investment. Like mathematically, it's, it's an absolutely awful idea, but we do it because yay, patriotism and everybody wants to, we, USA, USA, like there's no, there's nothing about the Olympics that's not political. And, and it always has been. That's its purpose. We're playing for Team USA. And that's always been what we do. You know, Dante and I have a history in, in pro wrestling. And you know, the biggest, the entire 80s is full of political yeah. <laughs> of political wrestlers you know people waving flags around it, it's it was it was hulk hogan's gimmick there's nothing about hulk hogan that is patriotic except for he decided to <laughs> <laughs> and then when and then when hulk hogan left the company they literally just moved the gimmick onto a guy named lex luger who in professional wrestling his gimmick was that he was the narcissist lex luger he was a he was a self-obsessed uh, narcissist was his, was his gimmick. That was that was his character. And then Hulk Hogan switched companies. And the next day, Lex Luger <laughs> became an American hero. <laughs> it made no sense. And he, he traveled around the country on a big red, white, and blue bus. It was so crazy because it's about <laughs> politics, and it always was. In every sport, is it amazes me that literally the people who are complaining about the flag protest, about the anthem protest, about you should be forced to. And when the national anthem's playing are the same people. And I mean, the literal same people that I've had the argument about the Confederate flag for. Now, I will point out that when the Confederate flag argument came down, if you go back in my blog, I actually argued that you should be able to fly the Confederate flag. I don't think they should fly outside of state capitals because... You know, that side lost the war. But I'm against people doing stuff like, oh, we don't want to sell the flag anymore on Amazon or in Walmart. No, I say sell the flag. I want people to buy Confederate flags. I find them very helpful for me not to know which houses I don't want to walk by. <laughs> the week that I missed this show, I was in Myrtle Beach. And Hannah, you might know this shop because you're, I mean, you're a state over. But I saw a place called the Dixie Shop, which is apparently a chain. It's a souvenir store down south and their logo is the Confederate flag with the word Dixie Shop written across it. And they're looking for, for souvenirs for people and I'm like, I don't think I want to go to that place. It was helpful. I knew that I was not welcome there, so thank you. <laughs> so, but the people who were saying, no, we should be able to do this, we should be able to do this, we should be able to do this, are also saying, no, he must stand for the flag. I'm like, you're literally celebrating a flag that is for the traitors. And you're, <laughs> and you're complaining about the guy who's kneeling. And that's astounding to me. And I'm not talking about the same kind of people. I'm saying I've had this argument with literally the same people. So if you're really, really, really supporting your right to wave a Confederate flag, but against Colin Kaepernick's right to kneel, then I want you to think long and hard about it because you're probably being racist.
Danny, you had one more issue that I wanted to get to real quick before we finish up. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's kind of along those lines where you, where you just left off. There's, I mean, I, what I would ask is, what is it that you're really worshiping here, right? And so what strikes me as odd is I would imagine a lot of the folks who are really up in arms about the, the Kaepernick protests and this sort of I, what they perceive as anti-patriotism, I think that they probably would also strongly identify as traditional kind of evangelical Christians, right? And um, I think there's probably a lot of overlap in these in these two groups and I've recently been reading a lot of this this guy named James um, K.A. Smith, who's a philosopher uh, from Calvin College, and he writes a lot about liturgies and how and he, he has this sort of project where he basically reads almost everything we do in life as a worship practice of some sort. And the problem is we don't realize that we're actually worshiping something. Uh, and so and this guy's obviously a Christian, and he's this is concerning to him that um, people are being distracted from what he perceives as the true God. But he it does some really great close readings of kind of cultural spaces like the mall, for example, but football games is another thing where, and so he actually reads a football game and he equates the national anthem to him singing. You kind of stand and sit as you would in maybe a Catholic ceremony. Uh, and so he does a really interesting job of saying that what's going on here is, is a worship service and what is being worshiped are these kind of militaristic ideas of um, American power. The game itself actually is designed to uphold that as well. And so I think that it's very interesting and ironic and, and you know, you know my stance on, on this, this whole protest, but the folks <laughs> who are against them, I think that they're the ones who are kind of not only wrong politically, but they're also sort of white supremacist largely, <laughs> but also I think uh, idolatrous from a religious perspective. And, and I think that uh, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who used to love football way more than I do now. Uh, I kind of, I've turned away from it because I'm sort of ashamed at my, my waste <laughs> passion, but, uh, but I still appreciate a game here and there, but um, I try to be aware of what it's doing to me as I watch it. And I think a lot of these folks are not aware of what this worshipful experience is actually doing to them and their relationship with their African-American neighbors. And I, as your African-American neighbor, I love my wasted passion. <laughs> <laughs> this is a personal decision of mine. I, I did something, it's not like an alcoholic has to stay away from something that they get too much into. And this is kind of where I stand with us. But since Wayne's not here, I guess I get to say, so we've resolved nothing. <laughs> and much like always on this show, I don't I don't know that that's really fair. It's our tagline. I don't know that we're trying to resolve anything. When I opened this show, I started with talking about the fact that, you know, I understand what my politics are and Wayne's the regular co-host. His are pretty close to mine. So if you're 21 episodes into this podcast, chances are you agree with most of what we've said. <laughs> or or why the hell are you putting yourself through this? So I have no delusions that anybody is going to just sort of be happening upon this podcast because, hey, you know, I've loved talking about comics and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm wrong on this flag thing. No, <laughs> no. Like, it's like, maybe I shouldn't have joined it for Trump. What have I done? You know, like, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I know that none of our regular listeners are, are thinking that sort of thing. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, if I'm wrong, 
certainly write us like uh, the Twitter user or write us on the blog and let us know where your stance it is, on it is. I expect most of our listeners are going to be inclined to be on the side of no, I, I support the right to kneel. I support the right to do whatever. However, this show, what, what we're trying to resolve here wasn't so much to change your mind so much as a here are things to think about. Hopefully we gave you a list of about seven to 10 sort of counter arguments that you can use when, when you're running into the kind of people that post these memes to Facebook. These are things that, you know, not even Christmas. We've all got to do Thanksgiving in a a couple of months and there's a big football game on Thanksgiving. So if if you're going to be in front of your, your family on Thanksgiving and you've got that one uncle who has a problem with this, and you know who he is. We all we all do. <laughs> this will hopefully be something that you can say, no, you're wrong. And rather than it just being a, oh, I'm right because the president says this and patriots and USA, 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 maybe you can have something to just like give sort of a logical argument with some facts. And you know what? You're not going to change his mind. You're not. But hopefully... Just hopefully you've got a cousin sitting over there who's kind of, you know, on the fence both ways. And maybe you can sway him or her. That's my hope with this show. And people have been swayed. I I have not to be like, oh, I swayed someone. But, you know, like sometimes if you talk to people, I mean, it's frustrating to have to explain why it's more important to care about people getting shot than the (laughs) nebulous patriotism that just Mm -hmm. is in the ether or something. But, you know, if you talk to people reasonably, sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I guess that, like, this is not like this horrible, radical movement that people on the Internet and memes told Mm -hmm. me. So there's hope. So one of the more reasonable people that I've argued with once said, I think we can all agree that the ultimate goal is to make it so that everybody stands up. And no, I don't agree with that. Honestly, I don't give a damn whether anybody stands or not. You're not standing at home. You're going to the bathroom. You're standing like nobody's standing in attention at home watching the national anthem. And if you are, you're lying. You're not. You're getting nachos. (laughs) That's what you do. No one cares. And I don't really care if anybody stands at all. I would like to get to a place where Colin, Marshawn, whoever didn't feel the need to protest because I don't really care about the anthem. And again, this is me being a black man with a penchant for wearing hoodies. I really don't want to be shot. (laughs) I'm I'm what you call allergic to bullets. (laughs) And I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I want to, I want to continue living. It's very important. I'm a very important person. I have a podcast to host. I must live. (laughs) I, I do this for you. So therefore for my own safety and for the good of this show, we should maybe, you know, decide that Black Lives Matter, most importantly, mine, very, very important, but all of them. And if you don't understand that, if it really means more to you to worship a song, because as Danny just said, that's what it is, then think about what you're saying. You're saying that you don't want to hear about the issue that the BLM people are protesting about while it's important that the song that you worship is coming on. And I want you to understand that it's not that great a song. I don't love that song. 
I would prefer we replaced it with a Prince album. <laughs> and because I'm a huge, huge, huge Prince fan. But if you tell me, hey, rather than enjoying the Prince song that you love. And again, I love Prince. I really, really love Prince. But I'd like to talk to you about the water in Flint or rebuilding homes in Puerto Rico. We need some help down here. I'll say Okay, let me listen to this for a moment because you seem to have something important to say. So if you're saying that, no, I don't want to hear your important issue, even if I disagree with it, I don't want to hear your important issue because I'm busy worshiping my song, then maybe you're kind of being racist. <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of my final argument for it. So that's a downer. <laughs> but... I would like to thank all my guests for coming on the show, particularly since, you know, well, Hannah was booked from the beginning, but the other two of you were pretty late notice. So thank you both. Thank you both. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Hey, while I'm on here, since I'm allowed to swear on this show, can I just say shit, Sam, son of a bitch? I don't, so. Get out of my system. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That's good. I, I hope you're going to point out on your show. You know, go see their show where I swear once. <laughs> where can people follow your show? Oh, uh, if you just go to there's a website, uh, sectarianreviewpodcast.com. Uh, we do religion, culture, politics, pop culture. Uh, we have a very strange matrix of topics that we cover. But listen to the show a few times, and you'll get the, the gist of it. Um, and we have a Facebook page and all that stuff too. I love to talk to people on Facebook and I'm pretty good actually at uh, communicating with folks. So by all means, stop by Hannah, you've been on before, but where can people, Oh, well, I, no, I screwed up. I was supposed to introduce you as palindrome Hannah. Damn it. <laughs> okay. We need to record the entire show again. Everybody remember what you just said. No. <laughs> Palindrome Hannah, <laughs> what can, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers and not a shout out, not, not my own thing, but a shout out to someone else uh, since it's related to this episode. There is a hashtag going around Twitter, hashtag honor mm-hmm. cape. It uh, started by an academic. His handle is at Prof Chunder. Um, P-R-O-F-C-H-A-N-D-E-R. And he's trying to get people who are at institutions of higher learning to nominate Colin Kaepernick for honorary degrees as a way for academics and people involved in higher education to mm-hmm. show support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And he also has tweeted a lot about the history of doing this and how other athletes who have been involved in social justice have also received similar honors. So if you are affiliate in higher ed and you want to help out there you go we will definitely link to that in the show notes just like everything else dante what about you where can people find you if they want to follow the musings of dante dunnigan or dangerous damian cast Damien Cass is just, uh, they're, uh, just Damien Cass on Facebook. Uh, I don't really look at Twitter much or anything else. Uh, <laughs> Damien Cass, uh, D-A-M-I-E-N-K-A-S-S. And there I'll talk about the uh, my upcoming memorial show that I'm doing in uh, West Virginia. I believe in Nitro, West Virginia. And okay. uh, my regular uh, Facebook uh, for just me from my my regular author ego <laughs> I guess you could say just I'm not pretending to be a horrible mean person it's uh 
Dante Dunnigan, uh, D-U-N-N-A-G-A-N, and I'm actually a pretty horrible personal there too. So you can get a little bit of both of that, I guess. So, it's, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't got as much going on with that because I'm just right now I'm uh, trying to be a normal husband, dad right now. So there's a uh, there's relatively frequent, you know, talking about politics and and you know, and you know forwarding of. Trump's an asshole kind of stuff, <laughs> but also you also he has. Well, okay, actually, I, I shouldn't say just say you have two kids because you have more than two, but two of them are adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole story with that. So, yeah. He's got two toddlers. I, I always love my looking at you, are, your uh, kids. My, I have two girls there uh, who right now who are younger. Uh, I have a I have a son who's older who just. It's in that whole teenage thing. Uh, but, uh, my, my two girls, my right. two youngest girls, uh, Riley and Cassidy, uh, they are absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I <laughs> yes, they are. Like, I can't even deny it. It's, it's my fault. It's totally my fault. <laughs> if you are a fan of the show, I, I, and I hope you are, because otherwise, why are you here? Um, I would definitely subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on Stitcher. Stitcher, Android podcast, wherever podcasts are found. If you subscribe, please write us a review because that helps people find the show and it helps us go up in magical podcast rankings that no one understands. Danny, do you understand them? Nope. Okay. I've stopped trying. Yep. Nobody understands them. We just any reviews for us is important. It also makes us feel good because the reason people do podcasts, not just mine, but everybody's, is that we are horrible people with empty souls that we need your love. So, Please write, write us a review. Yes. <laughs> uh, subscribe to the blog at www.voxpopcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoxPopcast. Follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or subscribe to my blog at HTTP www.chrismaverick.com. I want to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song that is playing us out right now. And I'd once again like to thank all of my guests for coming on this week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. And and I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.